Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. And place them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel, and they took possession of Samaria and dwelt in its cities. Highly important that you recognize that foreign nations took over their land. He deported the Israelites out. He sent his own people in. You go populate the conquered territory. So again, it says that God tore Israel away. That's more affliction that God caused. I really, really want to get us out of the mindset where we feel that we can tell God what he can and cannot do. We're not, that's not our place. We can't say, well, if God afflicted his people, then that would make God evil, so God can't do that. Yes, he can, and he does. We don't tell God what he does and does not do. So if you think like this, and here's, here's a little sub thing here. If you think that God can't do this, God's not allowed to do that, so I'm going to come up with a different God that's not allowed to afflict me. I'm going to come up with a God that only wants to bless me and only wants to make me feel good, then what you have just done is you have molded a false God for yourself, which is exactly what the Israelites had done to make God mad. You don't tell God who he is to be and then decide to make up one for yourself if he doesn't act the way you want him to. That is what creating a false idol is. I want a God that works the way I want him to work. I don't like the theology of that church over there. I disagree with that. So I'm going to invent a God that says that that little piece of theology is okay. You just created a false God. Look at his word, what God says in his word. That's the way it is. You've got to align yourself to what God says. Man, people get mad at me all the time. Well, why do you believe that? Why do you enforce this particular policy in your church? Because the word of God says it. Well, that's not right. I'm going to go somewhere else then go somewhere else because I'm not doing it here. I won't let false gods come in this church because I know you don't want them. We don't want them in here. So you can see how easy it is to follow a false god. Now, he he afflicts his people and God makes calamity when it serves his will. He causes calamity when it serves his will. You look on the news, the earthquakes, floods, all the storms, all the things going on. God God does this. Satan can't cause a, a natural disaster to happen. If, we call them natural disasters. Satan can't just make that happen if God doesn't want it to happen. Well, then God allowed it. No, he doesn't allow it. He causes it. Well, why would he do that? He can't. We're sinful. Pretty simple equation, if you ask me. So, God causes calamity to serve his will. So, Assyria's way of conquering other nations here was to relocate some of their own people into that conquered territory so that they would now influence the people to adopt their ways or make that area conform to the ways they did things. So 
Israel's area that they had just had a massive influx of foreigners that took over their land. And guys, when I think about it, how sad it is that all these nations come in, the foreigners come and took over. What a far cry we have come to from the days when Joshua was kicking everybody out. He was kicking all those foreign nations out of there. Now it's gone the other way. If Joshua had known this was coming, he'd be rolling in his grave. 2 Kings 17 and 25. And it was so at the beginning of their dwelling there that they did not fear the Lord. Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. Now, does, again, does it say that the Lord allowed lions or lions just showed up and God goes, well, you know, whatever? No, God said, lions, get up, go over there and kill people. Oh, friend, that you're listening to me and you never knew this about God, you better start reading the book, man. Well, that scares me. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Hallelujah. Get right with the Lord. He killed them. Now, we have seen God use lions in, as judgment before. We've seen this in past books. If you remember 1 Kings 13, the Lord used a lion to kill his own prophet for disobeying God's explicit instructions. He told that prophet, you get in there, state the message, and get out. Don't play around. What did he do? He played around. A lion killed him. We already saw that. Uh, Then in 1 Kings 20, a lion killed another disobedient prophet that didn't do as the Lord told him also. This is is frazzling my head. Well, good. Maybe it's getting frazzled straight now. (laughs) Just follow me. So lions were a well-known method of judgment of God's judgment in that day. But I got to thinking, why did God send lions to kill these Assyrians when he sent them as judgment against Israel's unbelief? He used them as judgment against Israel. Now why kill them? That was my question. This is late in the week when I started realizing, wait a minute, there's more in this message than I thought. Why is he killing his own instrument of judgment? Hang on with me, I'll try to answer that. But I want to give you a quick hint to give just a quick hint remember the israelites were doing what everybody else did remember it said that you wanted to be like all the other nations right so if the israelites were so prone to copying what the foreign nations were doing then what do you think they're going to do once they see the assyrians get driven into calling upon the lord for help they're going to get to that point eventually we're getting killed by lions what do we do you call upon the lord okay we'll do it and then the jews will be like whoa they're doing it let's do that You see what I'm saying? I was wondering why did he send lions to kill his own instrument of judgment? Because the Jews at this point in history, they're being copycats of everybody else. Well, let me get the let me get the Gentiles to cry to me, then the Jews will do it too. Guys, this is getting good. (laughs) Now watch what the Assyrians do next. 2 Kings 17, 26. Look, here, here, here they go. Here they go. So they, not the Jews, the Assyrians. So they spoke to the king of Assyria, saying, the nations whom you have removed and placed in the cities of Samaria do not know the rituals of the God of the land. Therefore, he has sent lions among them. And indeed, they are killing them because they do not know the rituals of the God of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, send there one of the priests whom you brought from there. Let him go and dwell there and let him teach them the rituals of the God of the land. Then one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. (laughs) Here it comes. 
If the Bible doesn't excite you, you're not reading it. That's all I can say. So you got a bunch of Gentiles. They were pagan before the Israelites were. Now they're getting to find out what the Lord's like. <laughs> you getting this? Gentiles are learning to call out to the Lord of God of Israel for help. <laughs> God has such a way, doesn't he? I think it's amazing. Now, let me give you a little bit of a setting of, to help our understanding. Back then, it was believed that various gods were stronger in certain areas than in others. Like one god was stronger out that way and not so strong over here, but there's a different god out there. There's a territorial localized power to back this up, if you recall 1 Kings 18, when Elijah called for that calling down a fire contest against Baal, let's put up some sacrifices. You call down from your God, I'll call down from mine. Let's see which one wins, right? And that'll, that'll demonstrate. The reason why Elijah chose to, and he picked the spot, the reason why Elijah chose to do this up on Mount Carmel, it's because it was believed at that time that Baal was the strongest, most dominant God on that top of that hill. Baal owned that, that hill. All right, let's go where your God's the best. It's kind of like when you go and play for, go root for the home team, but you want to root heavy and like say I went and cheered for the Astros in Chicago or something, you know, I'm going to be outnumbered, you know. So that was the God over there on, uh, Baal was the God of Mount Carmel. So when Baal couldn't answer the fire call and the Lord did, then that demonstrated God's almighty power as him being the only one true God. Okay, Baal didn't stand a chance even in his own territory. And so it was because of this belief that the localized gods do better in different places. That's why the king chose to send an Israelite priest into Samaria because he figured that was the best option to appease the God of Israel over there to help ensure the Assyrians would be saved within that territory. So send them uh, a priest that knows how to get the God in that area working, okay? So that's why he suggested that they do that. Second Kings seventeen twenty nine. However, every nation continued to make gods of its own and put them in the shrines on the high places which the Samaritans had made. See, we have Samaritans now. Every nation in the cities where they dwelt, the men of Babylon made Succoth Benoth, the men of Kuth made Nergal, the men of Hamath made Ashima, and the Avites made Nibhaz and Tartak, and the Sepharavites burned their children in fire to Adremelech and Anamelech, the gods of Sepharvaim. So they feared the Lord, and from every class they appointed for themselves priests of the high places who sacrificed for them in the shrines of the high places. They feared the Lord, yet served their own gods according to the rituals of the nations from among whom they were carried away. Crazy. Okay, verse 32 right there, because this confused me when I first read it. Verse 32, there where it says, they feared the Lord. You would think, oh, they feared the Lord, hallelujah, they got right. Okay, that's not quite the language here. What it means is they, they kind of worshiped him, but they did it while adding the God of Israel to their long list of other gods. They feared him, okay, we have a little regard for him, but we're going to put him in our stack of other gods. And that's what Chris, the supposed American Christianity is doing today. Yeah, we worship God, but we've got a long list of other things in the pile too. It's kind of what that means. So they're not really giving God first. 
Now there in verse 29, we see the Samaritans are mentioned, which is what they called the children that came from the intermarriages between the Israelites and the Assyrians. You can see the degradation of their culture as they serve their own gods while merely adding God to the list. So a Samaritan was a half Jew, half Gentile byproduct of an intermarriage. So the, the, everything is continually declining here. Second Kings 1734. To this day, they continue practicing the former rituals. They do not fear the Lord. I'll get to that in a minute because I know I just made a case for the other. They do not fear the Lord, nor do they follow their statutes or their ordinances or the law and commandment which the Lord had commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel, with whom the Lord had made a what? Covenant. Oh, that's so important. Covenant. Israel is not going to cease to exist in this chapter. It looks like it, but I've been to Israel in my lifetime. There's still Israelites walking around, okay? They're still there. Why? Because of covenant. Amen. So he made a covenant with them and charged them saying, you shall not fear other gods, nor bow down to them, nor serve them, nor sacrifice to them. But the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt with great power and an outstretched arm, him you shall fear, him you shall worship, and to him you shall offer sacrifice. And the statutes, the ordinances, the law, and the commandment which he wrote for you, you shall be careful to observe forever. You shall not fear other gods. And the covenant that I made with you, You shall not forget, nor shall you fear other gods. But the Lord your God you shall fear, and he will deliver you from the hand of all your enemies. However, they did not obey, but they followed their former rituals. So these nations feared the Lord, yet served their carved images. Also their children and their children's children have continued doing as their fathers did even to this day. It's obvious they're not going to turn. They're not going to turn. You ever seen somebody like on the job place, they just keep making the same mistake and it's okay to make a mistake, but I'll warn you. He says, I warned you. I made covenant with you. I sent prophets to you. I worked with you. I tried. I tried. I told you. I told you. We we went over this again and again. And if you have an employee, they just are not going to do it. Not because they have an incapacity or they're unable, but they're, they're just, they just don't care. You come to a place where you realize they're just not, they're just not going to do it. And it's obvious here, Israel's just not going to do it. They're just not going to listen. They're not going to do it. So now verse 32 says they feared the Lord, but then verse 34 says they did not. Okay, I, I, I want to make a clarification here. This is not a contradiction in Scripture. Okay, the Bible is inerrant. There's no errors in it. Uh, so this is not a error here, but rather it is a, I guess, how should I call it? An obvious limitation of the English language in the way it is expressed. They worship the Lord, yes. They added him to the pile of other gods, so it wasn't really genuine. But in this wording of it here, because they had added God to their list of other gods, they were not worshiping him from the heart the way he wanted them to. So on one hand, we saw it says they feared the Lord. Yes, we add them to the list on my 50 other gods, okay? But then now it says they did not fear the Lord, which means they're not worshiping the Lord God the way he wants it, 
Okay, so that's kind of a failure on our language at that part. So I hope you understand the difference in what this means. Their worship was somewhat kind of in there, maybe because of that Israelite priest that was in there teaching them that the king had sent in. But for the people, God was kind of like a check mark on the list. Yeah, we did that, you know, okay. A lot of people, they go to church, okay, went to church, check. Football game after check. Go out to eat, check. You know, it's, it, where's your passion, man? Where, where's your worship to the Lord God that should be on 24-7? You shouldn't be worshiping God just in here, okay? should be all day long, okay? It wasn't proper worship. So we also saw it say that God changed Jacob's name to Israel. Why are we reminded of this here? Because it is a reminder that God expected the Israelites to be distinct, he expected to be to be different. They're trying to copy every other nation. He's like, I don't want you to do that. I want you to be different. You're mine. Parents, you don't want your kids to just be like everybody else. You want your kids to be super special. Get out there and book it, man. You're mine. You, you're, you're special to me. They were supposed to be holy. They're not supposed to be like the other nations. But now with the Samaritans are now in the land because the intermarriage and the Assyrians in the land worshiping false gods. Israel's distinctive identity was being broken down. They lost who they are supposed to be. Special, holy people. Christians, we are supposed to be special, holy people. We're supposed to be different. Everybody treats me different. Praise God. You're supposed to be. They were supposed to be different, and their identity is being broken down. Now, I want to go back to my question about why did God set foreign nations over Israel only to send lions to kill some of them? I want to revisit that. Again, Israel was hung up in this habit of doing what every other nation did. So if the foreign nations, if the the foreigner could be afflicted enough to get them to call out to the Lord, then Israel would be influenced into calling out to the Lord also. I believe that's the strategy here of God's. Israel had already proved beyond all reasonable doubt they just simply are not going to listen to the Lord God. Well, if you want to be like everybody else, then watch what they're about to do next. And they started calling out, Israel's going to start seeing this, okay? So the Lord gave dominion of Israel's territory over to foreign nations, and then their affliction became necessary in order to lead the Israelites into how to call out to their own God. Wow. Hold on to that snapshot, because I'm going to blow your mind here in a little bit, okay? I don't know if you realize this yet or not, but this entire story gives us a picture of what is going on in Israel today, right now. This is Israel now. Israel has rejected their God, and the Lord has given control of their territory over to foreigners. I went to Israel. I went under the Temple Mount. There's a thing you can go down under, and there's tunnels under there, and you get down in there where it's dark, and you start getting closer inward to where above you, where the Holy of Holies would have been at the temple. There are Jews down there they're getting as close to the Holy of Holies as they can where it was at. And they're down there just going. They're just praying. They want their Messiah to come. They want their Messiah to come. They don't know he already came. But they're trying to get to the Holy of Holies, not realizing it's here. 
in this, this temple now. And it was kind of sad for me to see it. They lost their identity. And they're, they're getting as close to that holiest part as they can. Oh God, come for us, come for us. These Gentile nations are all over us. It was sad. I had to ask somebody, our, one of our guides or somebody, what, what is this? He goes, the Holy of Holies was right above us. I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, they're trying to get close to their God. And I see a lot of parallels in what's going on here. Okay, Israel has rejected their God. They're blind. They're not turning. Same thing as we're reading. And so the Lord has given control of their territory over to foreigners, to the Gentiles. I want you to look at this. Romans eleven twenty five 25 says, blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Right now we're in the time of the Gentiles. For centuries, Israel has been sent prophets, turned back, turned back, turned back. They haven't. And they have rejected the prophets and rejected God. And so they are now blind to the fact that the Messiah, Jesus, has come. They don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. They think he's still yet to come. And so God has given their area over to Gentiles, to foreign nations, as a judgment. Now, let's face it, and I was thinking about this, and I even called Dove to make sure I was being very sensitive to this fact, that I don't want to state anything wrong. Let's just face it. If Israel had full control over their land, there would not be a Muslim mosque on that Temple Mount. They would have already built a temple there. That is proof they have been taken over by foreign nations, okay? This is the time of the Gentiles, so they can't put a temple up there right now. This is the time of the Gentiles. But now I want you to consider how the the Lord God afflicted the Gentiles until it drove them to ask their king for a way to be saved. Did you know Muslims are getting saved? Bless them, because they're afflicted. How do we get saved? It's that God of Israel. But what was the king's answer on how to get them to see it? What he did his answer? He said, send them an Israelite priest. Send them, I see y'all nodding, you're catching it. Send them an Israelite priest that knows the God of Israel, that knows the law, that can teach you how to fear him. Send them an Israelite priest so that they might be saved. Hebrews 4.14, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. (laughs) Gentiles, how are we saved? We were sent a priest. A priest of Gentiles? No. A priest who's an Israelite. Ah, that's when I started catching the steam and I'm like, oh, this ain't near what I thought it was and I had to restructure I'm giving it to you now, okay? <laughs> all of us, every one of us, Jew and Gentile, we are all sinners. Every one of us. And so we face destruction, which is an affliction for the damage that our sin has caused. But even me, the foreigner, the Gentile, can run and ask the king for an answer. And the king has chosen to send even a Gentile like me, an Israelite priest, to teach a foreigner like me how to fear the Lord so that I might be saved.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.